Good morning, good morning. Funny story. Soon as I came up here, my shirt just ripped. But I'm going to pull it off. And if I got to take it off, I got to take it off. All right. Hey, there's a lot happening under this shirt. A lot of y'all ain't going to like none of it, but Stacy will love it. Amen. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Let's give a round of applause, all the mothers. If you are a mother, we will have something special for you at the end of our service, amen, because we believe in honoring mothers here at Garden City. And so as I always do, I always want to give you kind of an inside glimpse of the Boyd family and kind of our week at a glance, if you will. And so, hey, here's the thing. Stacy was in a car accident. Yes, exactly. And the reason why it was bad, because it disrupted my time of rest. <laughs> and you know what's so bad? It happened literally around the corner of our house. She calls me. She's like, hey, could you come and get me? I just got in a car accident, and I'm on 13th Street. And I'm like, young girl, ran a stop sign. You know, and then we get the news that the van is totaled, which, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely wow. Because the van was paid off, amen? Come home now. And it's an odyssey, and I, I, you know, I'm just a big fan. Stacy was kind of happy because she never wanted it. She never wanted to be a minivan mom. You know, she's like, but y'all pray for her, amen? She, she doesn't understand. She has a tribe of children, and... Sometimes the odyssey is the tent that we have to travel in. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have a good time today. So full, full transparency, I'm talking with a friend of mine, a sister of mine, who's a local pastor. She passes a church here in Akron, and we always connect and talk. And she said, man, brother, tell me what God has been laying on your heart and where he has you leaning into. And I said, man, I'm doing a two-week series on lament. She said, you can't do that for Mother's Day. (laughs) She's like, you can't preach on that for Mother's Day. And I'm like, why can't I? Because now it's a challenge, right? And I said, I don't know a group of individuals lamenting more than mothers. Come on now. Especially at a time like this in our city where the violent crime with our young men are so high. Mothers are crying out and weeping for their children. And so as we talked about last week, for us as a body of believers, lament is our chief way that we grieve in the presence of God. The Word of God tells us to be angry and sin not. Well, how do we do that if we're not taking our anger to the Father? If we're not taking the things that trouble us to him. And this is the thing, like we can come to him because he doesn't want us dressed up. He says, son, if your shirt is ripped, it's okay. You don't have to worry about it. I don't need you all together. What I need, though, is your heart. And in our heart sometimes is where we store our greatest treasures and our greatest sorrow. And so I've just been kind of just really studying this because I think that God has brought me to this place, even beginning way 
back in August of last year. And I didn't really understand what he was doing, but I know that I was angry, I was frustrated, I was sad for the state of what was happening and going on with our city. And then I was upset with the perception that groups of people had about me. And it bothered me. It hurt. It was devastating. Right? Because, you know, it's one of those things where people begin to perceive something about you. And what do we want to do? We constantly want to defend. And it's like, well, I can't defend everybody. And then it's like, well, I know what I'll do. I'll hold a press conference so I can get this same message out all at one time. And the thing about it is, yes, we should hold a press conference, but really the press conference should be before the audience of one. And we should take all these things to him. Lament is a prayer searching for understanding and peace in the midst of suffering or disheartening circumstances. The Old Testament psalmists and prophets wove many such prayers of lament into their writings. The Bible teaches us how to lament. How many of us in here believe that prayer changes things? Show of hands. I see some hands not up, Pastor Brian. There you go. Prayer changes things. However, praying the right prayer changes you. Prayer may change things, but praying the right prayer changes you. And the prayer of lament does that. Pastor Mark Verigop, the lead pastor of College Park Church in Indianapolis and the author of Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Discovering the Grace of Lament. He says this, he says, the practice of lament is one of the most theological informed things a person can do. Lament prayers take faith, talking to God instead of getting sinfully angry or embittered requires biblical conviction. Laying out the messy struggles of your soul and then asking again and again. Laments interpret the world through the biblical lens. Christians lament because we know the long arc of God's plan. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. We know the cause of all lament is sin. And we read in Revelations about the ending of all laments. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore from the formal things have passed away. Revelations 21.4. The beautiful thing though about being born, and I don't remember this, but I have at least five examples of what this looks like. Because, see, once we leave the comfortableness of a warm womb, we enter into this world crying and shouting. We have this shout of protest, like you have taken me out of my comfort and you've brought me now into this world. So we come in and enter into this world crying and, if you will, lamenting. But we, as a body of believers, we don't practice such. 
Because what we believe is, well, I'm saved and I'm Christian, and so I don't know if I really need to take this before God because I don't want to upset God and I can't ask God these types of questions. However, Christians not only mourn the brokenness of the world, but we also long for the day when all weeping ceases. And so when we talk about crying, it's more than just crying. It's more than just us giving sorrow to something. But it's about us taking it before a God who really, really loves us. When we look at Psalms 13, the question is asked by David, how long, O Lord, how long? I know none of us have ever asked that question. Where we say, how long, O Lord, how long am I going to have to wait for the triumph of my enemies? How long, O Lord, am I going to have to wait for that position or that job. How long, O oh Lord, am I going to have to wait for the spouse or the mate that you have for me? How long, O oh Lord, am I going to have to wait to bear a child? How long, O oh Lord, am I going to have to go through the things that I'm going through to where I feel like I'm all alone? So when we read Psalms 13, it gives us the breakdown of what healthy biblical lament looks like. It's a plea for deliverance. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long? And see, sometimes when God hasn't showed up in the time that we would like for him to show up, because now the moments that I'm experiencing are getting a little bit uncomfortable for me, I begin to say things like, well, how long ago, Lord, have you forgotten about me? And I had to think that Hannah felt the same way. Hannah wanted nothing more but to bear a son, bear a child. Because way back when... That was a sense of value for a woman. Not just bear a child, but bear a son. That meant something. And, and the scripture talks about how she was greatly distressed and grieved at the notion that she couldn't. And so what did she do? She took her complaint, her plea to the father. So much so that Elijah, not Eli, I'm sorry, thought that she was drunk, even though she wasn't talking. But see, God hears the voice of the voiceless. He heard the cry of her heart, and he heard the words of her mouth. And as we know, the story ends with God interceding and giving her exactly what she had brought in her complaint. And she did the thing that she promised God in that covenant to do. And she gave Samuel back when he was of age to him. Psalms 13 goes on to say, how long will you hide your face from me? How long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face from me? I don't feel your presence in this moment. I'm low, I'm down, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. How long will I store up? Now, now, now David is talking to himself. How long will I store up ancient concerns within me? Agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? 
See, it's went from him now taking it to God, asking God to now he's searching within himself. Right? Because he knows who God has created him to be. But what I love about this is he starts with first things first. I'm going to turn to God. Here's sometimes the danger. Sometimes our danger simply is when circumstances and things happen, we can walk in a sense of denial and despair. We can walk in a sense of denial and despair. And we're all looking at pastor coaches if we don't know what denial is. Now, I probably greeted everybody in here this morning because I was almost late getting up here because we was out greeting. And there was many of you, I said, how are you? Oh, man, I'm good. It's a great day. I'm good. There was at least one person says, ah, I'm all right. I'm okay. Right? Because here's what we can do as good Christian brothers and sisters. We can deny the fact that we're in pain and that we're hurting. We can deny that. We, we get so good at denying it that we convince ourselves that we're not hurting, that everything is okay. And we have these rose-colored glasses on because what? I'm saved and I'm in the kingdom of God. Praise God. I'm just going to go and praise this away. Come on now. That was Pastor Coach for a long time. If you're feeling down or you're feeling pain, guess what? You just haven't prayed enough. You haven't been at the altar long enough. You ain't read your word this week. Or better yet, let me tell you what you need to read because I know all. Or we get hit with the thing of, I know exactly how you feel. I love when I say that to Stacy after she's had our child. I know exactly how you feel, babe. She was like, well, hey, brother, you lay down here and let me split you open. Nah, I'm all right. And so let's not deny the fact that, man, when we're hurting, we're hurting. When I'm bothered by something, I'm bothered by something. When I'm seeking and looking for justice or deliverance, that's what I'm seeking and I'm looking for. And then let's not lean into despair that all is lost. All is lost. I'm in despair because, man, I said something, I did something, and, man, this person probably looks at me like I'm so incompetent. I'm an idiot. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to raise my kids. I don't know how to do any of that. I should never speak about lament on Mother's Day ever again. All is not lost. There's hope. But when we make the mistake of not lamenting, Those two things can occur. We deny the fact that we're in pain or that we're hurting, that we're sorrowful, or better yet, that we're angry. And then what the next thing that happened, the longer I deny, the more despair sets in. Because I've gotten so good at denying a thing that, man, now I'm just, there's no hope now. There's no hope of anything. All hope is now lost. And so this is what happens when we don't lament, right? We, we haven't lamented our situation. And so therefore, we kind of look at this as a way of saying, hey, if we don't practice 
Lament has the opportunity for each and every one of us to turn towards God when sorrows, pain, and anger tempts us to turn away from him. I don't know about you, but man, I've been so upset and I've been so angry at God that, man, I just, I completely turned away from him. Because I I felt like, God, if you really love me, why did you allow me to get molested? Why did you allow these things to come upon me when when, when God, listen, man, yeah, if if you're all-knowing, all-seeing, and if you're omnipresent, then where were you, God? And how long do I have to wait for justice for those, my enemies, who use me? How long do I got to wait, O Lord? And then in, as we read Psalms, this is David, now he's asking himself, well, man, how long do I need to feel this way? How long do I, um, have, do I have these anxious concerns? How long, how long will I allow the enemies to dominate my mind and the thoughts of how I see and think about myself? How long, church? David goes on to say, consider and answer me, Lord. Consider and answer me. Man, that's just, that's a statement and a question. Consider and answer me, God. Like, I'm bringing this to you. He goes on to say, restore the brightness of my eyes. Restore me, Father. I'm coming to you. I'm bringing this. I'm setting this at the altar. Restore me. My enemies will say I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. And none of this do I hear David denying anything of how he feels. I don't even hear despair in what he's saying. He's taking the current state of his being as an individual, as a man, and saying, hey, here's where I am. I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm hurt, that it feels like, man, you are far from me. It feels like, man, not only does it feel like, hey, I have these anxious thoughts and concerns within myself. It appears and looks like my enemies are trying over me. They're mocking me. And I feel so disconnected from you right now, God, because I don't feel like you're here. Verse 5, we begin to see a flip. But when we see but or say but, it cancels out everything that we just said. Amen? He goes on to say, but I have trusted In your faithful love, my heart will rejoice in your deliverance. When it comes, and I know it's already here, I will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously with favor. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, we can't deny where we are. If we deny long enough, it'll lead us to despair. But we have to look at these elements of turning to God, taking him our complaint, then boldly asking him, and then it restores, renews, or replenishes our trust for him and in him. Lament is an act of faith. But I'll tell you, there's times in my life, even to the day that I walk out of blind faith. And I say, oh, man, it'll be all right. It'll be cool. It'll be straight. It'll be straight. I'll be all right, instead of acknowledging where I am. I was at a concert the other night. It was our children, well, one of my child's um, 
end of the year concert. Why, why they do this on a Friday, I never understand. On a Friday evening, I, I just I, it would never. What's wrong doing it during the school day? But that's a whole other question. <laughs> I saw a friend of mine's good brother, his wife. And she walked up to me. She's like, hey, how you doing? She's like, yeah, I'm Justin's wife. I said, oh, man, sister, I know. I said, man, how are you doing? And she was like, oh, man, hey, you know, I'm doing. And I said, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I said, no, I, what I meant to ask you was, how are you? And she was like, she's like, man, I'm challenged. I'm struggling with some things right now. Just a little subtle question. Three words. And when we take out doing it really doesn't give the person a way of escape. Because now I'm, I'm more focused on your being and saying, how are you? Oh, man. So we took a second and we talked. And so that led me to begin to ask a question. And she was a mom, by the way, because we can't talk about lament on Mother's Day. Come on now. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it led me to go home and talk to Stacy. Because Stacy has been mothering mothers for a long time. And I said, Stacy, can you tell me something? I said, of your mothers, how many of them do you think have a solid relationship with their mom? Like strong relationship. Like right now. She started counting. She was like, two do of my core group and seven don't. I was like, man. It's interesting. And I said, of those seven, how many of them would you say have a deep love of God and in his relationship with him? Again, Stacey. She was like, all oh, one, that I would say. And I said, okay. And she begins to go on and tell me her story. And I was like, whoa. And then she made the mistake of saying, hey, if you would like to call her, you can. So what do I do? And so I'm calling. She was like, she calls me Papa because she calls Stacy Mom. She said, I'm going to call you after I get off of work. I said, hey, no problem. So she calls me and I said, hey, listen, this is what I feel like God has been really laying on my heart. And man, as I heard your story from Stacy. This is what I hear, and we began to have a conversation. So before I tell you the outcome, I just want to read a little bit of the bio of this young mom. She had her first child when she was 15 years old. Not because she was just having sex for the sake of having sex. She was raped by a family member. She had a child. From there on, she struggled and was homeless, in and out of homelessness. All the while, her mom kind of knew what was going on, but never acknowledged what was going on. And so she's walking in the pain of not only what physically happened to her, but the emotional sense of, man, nobody's really acknowledging that this is happening to me. And so it became a constant, repeated thing. And I was like, man, okay, thanks. She was like, but no, no, Papa, there's more to it. All the while that was happening, 
and I'm being homeless, in and out of homelessness, not having anywhere to stay, I ended up catching HIV. And, he was, and she was like, hey, not that I was making right choices or decisions because I wasn't. And there was a time when all this was going on, I thought God hated me. I thought God hated me. I didn't think he loved me. I didn't think he'd seen any value in me. Because why? I didn't see that from my mother. My father was an alcoholic. So there was no one there to really, not only to acknowledge my pain, but there was nobody there to defend me that I could really cry out to. And she went on to say, it took me a long time to really understand that God did not hate me, but that he loved me. And she continued to talk to me about her road of just, if you will, recovery. And she says, Pop, I had a decision to make in my life to where I could continue to go on and allow the denial of what wasn't and the despair of what could be to ruin my life. And at this time, I'm like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow at 9 and 1040? But what she goes on to say that has so much power and honor to her story is the fact that she said, I had to learn at a young age how to mother a child because my brother had raped me. And there was no solace or recompense from my mom. And she said, Pop, not even to this day. She called me earlier and she chastised me because tomorrow's Mother's Day. And she said, what are you getting me? God is good, amen? Come on now. And she said that Stacy entered my life at the right time and became the mother that I never had. So it was through her own, if you will, time of acknowledging her pain, not to her mother because her mother didn't know what to do with it, not to her father because he didn't know what to do with it. So despite the modeling or the example of her earthly parents, she knew that, man, God doesn't hate me and I can turn to him. And I can go to him in my anger. I can go to him in my frustration. I can go to him with all this stuff. And I really believe that, man, Pop, I really believe that God could restore me. Because, see, I was still making some decisions that wasn't of God. And so what she began to say was, when I began to pray, I stopped praying that God would change my situation, but I needed to be changed because of my situation. But see, that's where denial and despair can take you. Denial and despair can take you to a place to where it's everybody else's fault because I'm in the situation that I'm in. Or... The lack of acknowledgement from someone who says they love you, when that does not happen, it can lead you down a dark, windy road. But the same thing when David said, but 
She said, but God. Said, now I have two children who every day we stop before we go to bed and we read God's word. Every day, every time on Wednesdays, and this is when Stacy has her connect ministry that she does with teen and young moms. She was like, I get there early because it's like going home and talking to mom to prepare dinner before everybody gets home. And it just gives me a moment just to talk to her. Just to get filled up. Amen. And see, the other beauty about it is, and I can't tell Stacy's story the way that she can tell it. But Stacy's story is a little similar of what she went through as a teenager. Getting pregnant and then being forced to have an abortion by her mom. Being made to feel like she wasn't valued or valuable. See, the beautiful thing about lament, sometimes within lament we find our provision. We find our purpose. We find our call. Stacy had never put on her bucket list that she wanted to minister to teen and young moms. But see, this is how God can take all the stuff that's painful to us, that's sorrowful to us, and when we bring it to him, God makes it into a ministry. God makes it into a ministry. And yes, Stacy will probably never be on stage and she'll never, you know, get up there and tell her story. But man, I got a front row seat to eyewitness what God has done and what God continues to do. And how he uses the pain that she went through, then the pain of this other young mom. And then I watch how she gets to minister to her own children. And I watch, say, she's answering the phone all hours of the night, man, because, you know, it's teen and young moms. They see her as this mother that she never had. So honestly, Stacy and I, we have a lot of children. Only six I can file on my taxes. If we can work our way around that, let me know, please. (laughs) But this is why lament is so important for us, body of Christ, follower of a Jesus. And I'm not against, hear me now, I'm not against therapy or therapist. I think God has given him a divine call and a divine gifting. If God, though, commands us to be angry but sin not, how do we do that? It's through lament. Because I can go to him in my anger. David was angry. David wasn't happy. He was angry. My anger can lead me to be sorrowful, to be sad, to be hurt. And as that happens, in that, God restores us. See, God is getting the glory for this young woman's life. Because, see, only God can do that. Only God can cause a woman to be molested and raped and bear a child and to love that child. And And she said, Pop, man, the bad thing about it is My molester, the one who raped me, lives with my mom now. And she refuses to acknowledge it. Now, she can be mad and she can wait and say, stomp her feet. She's just like, no, but I don't need that. 
God has refined that. God has anointed that. God has intervened in that. God is so good. Our sorrows attempt us not to turn to him when in our anger and our pain we should. We should. I want to read this to you, man. Come on back up. God, we find ourselves in a time of great sorrow. This is city of Akron. This may be your personal life. But I just want to read you something. Just hear the words. God, we find ourselves in a time of great sorrow. Give us the gift of tears that move us beyond sadness into compassion. Inspire and empower us not only to cry about others, but also to weep with them. Teach us to lament so that we do more than regret our circumstances. We resolve to cooperate with you to change them. When we don't take him our complaint, as we said last week, we just simply wind up complaining. We'll just wind up complaining and doing nothing but complaining. That's what the world does. But his called out ones, the ones that he has given the ministry of reconciliation, this is our charge and this is our call. He's called us to lean into the dark places. He's called us to a life of suffering. I know that don't feel good. But if he's telling us to take up our cross and to deny ourselves daily, that ain't peaceful. That's suffering. And he calls us to dig into these places to be able to suffer with each other, to move from sadness to compassion, to move ourselves to a place to where we're not regretting our circumstances, but we're resolved to to cooperate with him by the spirit of God to change the circumstances of this world. This is our call, brothers and sisters. This is what he calls us to do outside of the four walls of the church. Why? Because we are the church. So we have to practice lament. We have to lean into this essence of lament. And if you want scriptures on lament, I got a whole bunch of them. Read Psalms. Don't turn away from it. Don't be like, oh, man, David's whining. Why are all these people whining? Man, I'm in the whining line. Because I'm angry about what I see going on in our city. I'm angry about young men who look like me killing themselves and killing each other. I'm angry about it. It bothers me. And so when people ask me, hey, Kemp, man, you lead this organization. Hey, man, tell us, tell us what we need to do as a church, man. We need to simply pray the prayer of lament and then allow God to direct you by his Holy Spirit as where you need to go in at. And I know that's not the sexy thing to do because, man, we want to we want to go and we want to ah, march and do all that. No, no, no let, let's let our demonstration be our lament for our city, for the city that we're in, that we serve, that may most of y'all come from somewhere else to enter into. I'm letting you know what's going on here. Because some of this ground is not ground that needs to, that needs to be pulled up and bind up. Why? Because there's demonic forces at work. And I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I'm trying to give you the real of what's happening in the spiritual realm. 
And the longer that we run from these things, the longer that we deny, and the longer we won't see despair, the longer we'll sit on our hands, we'll come in our churches, and nothing will happen. I watched my wife deliver our children. She displayed more lament in those moments than I'd ever seen because it was painful. It was sorrow. It was grievance. Why? Because, man, first of all, what she was told, she was told that she would never have children. So the tears were tears of God. Look what you've done. But it was also painful. It was hurtful. But, man, it was overcoming about how God changes things. And God changes circumstances and situations. Do we believe it, brothers and sisters? Or do we just feel good saying that we're just the hands and feet of Jesus? We need to start taking ourselves into our closets, amen? And we need to start saying, God, what does that mean if you have called me the hands and feet of Jesus? How do you need me to walk? How do you need me to embrace people? Not from a place of, oh, man, I don't know, I don't know if I want. No, but for launching out and stepping out, amen? Glory to God. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for life, Lord God. We thank you for health and strength. We thank you, Father God, that you has fashioned us as your people to lament. And that as we do it, Lord God, we, we allow vulnerability to rise in such a way that we hide nothing from you. That we don't deny the anger, the hurt, the sorrow, the grief that we have. But Father God, we bring it faithfully to you. And you'll remove the denial and therefore you'll remove the despair. Lord God, I pray for the hearts of mothers out there that they are walking in despair because they believe there's going to be no hope for their children. Because they look at the world around them. But I pray, Lord God, that we as the church rise up and that we would bring a sense of hopefulness. Because we know who the risen king is and it's king jesus and so we pray these things now in his name and all of his people said amen